I am going to, guys, I know I sent you a list. That's not going to be what we're doing today. I am going to go to John chapter 15, though. Back, I was, I was going to be talking about love, the impartation of love, and uh, we'll just have to do that another, another day. But uh, we, I, want us, I want us to, oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> uh, I know that looks stupid, but sometimes it's just like the Holy Spirit just grabs hold of me and just squeezes me, and it's just, uh, woo. <laughs> I obeyed my message from last Sunday, and I took three days off this week and just stayed in the presence of the Lord. And, uh, you know, we got, got this election coming up, and for the life of me, I could not get burdened. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to be really burdened and, you know, oh, God, oh, God. I could not. Amen. I, all, I, all I saw was vision and greatness and amazement and, and uh, just uh, the wonder, wonderful works of God and and uh, thank God for that. But I want you to look with me, uh, John chapter 15, verse 7. We've talked about this before. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Powerful statement. Now, a lot of us apply that to our personal lives, and I, and I believe that's true. But as the body of Christ, I think we have missed what God has been trying to say to us for years, and that is he wants to know what we want. This all changed a few minutes ago, so I'm, okay. God does not have a preset order of times. There are things that have been declared are going to happen, but they are not written in stone. The time is not written. Now, this is Snyder commentary. I don't believe that God has said, okay, in 2020... I'm going to slap America down with judgment, and Antichrist is going to take over. I don't believe that. I've heard it preached all my life, and, and I just got to tell you, I lived, I, I, I lived in a religion of fear most of my life. I preached a message of fear most of my life. I could preach hell so hot that you could smell hair burning in the auditorium. I mean, I knew how, I, I grew up on it. I grew up on a diet of preaching fear and getting people saved by fear. Now, I realize that, that there is fear of eternal hell. I realize that. But I got to tell you something. When you get a vision, when it comes alive to you, what Jesus Christ did for you and breaks your heart because a perfect holy God gave everything to save you from your, your, from your sin, that is a powerful restoration. 
I've done my best to try to disciple people one by fear, and the only way I can keep them is to keep them afraid. You understand what I'm talking about? But when, when people are born again because they see the amazing glory of God, you don't have to chase those people. They chase after God. Amen. Literally, they chase after God. Okay? Now, I realize that hell is a terrible place and we should be afraid of going to hell. I realize that. But also realize that fear wears out. We get accustomed to it. We get used to it. It is not a good way to serve God. What's a good way to serve God is to be overwhelmed by his glory and his amazement to where you want more and more and more, and you don't want to do without him. You don't want to leave, leave God. You don't want to be without him. He said, he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. Chapter 16, verse 17 says, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, what was Jesus talking about? He's going to build his, his church on the revelation, the solid revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he is Lord. And it, he said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. There is an authority that has been given to the body of Christ to where when we stand together and begin to petition God, he hears us and he gives us what we desire. The problem is, is we haven't been unified in our desire. Amen. Praise God. I don't want to complain today about the evil. I don't want to complain today about fault. I want us to get a hold of the picture that God loves his church. He loves people. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He did not say that God so hated the world that he wanted to judge and curse it. That is not the nature of God. Amen. What the nature of God is to redeem. The nature of God is to save. The nature of God is to restore. He loves to restore. He loves to heal. When Jesus walked this earth, he went everywhere he went. He restored, he healed, and he made people's lives better. Except for the religious people that wouldn't let him in and stood in the door, he did not have good things to say to them. Amen. He called them whitewashed tombs. He called them vipers. He got them, I mean, Jesus, Jesus could talk, talk mean. He got mean with them. Amen. But he, 
he did that because of the fact that he was he saw what people could have and he also saw how the religion had become a, a wall that wouldn't let him in and he hated that amen now the bible says that god does hate some things there's seven things god hates and one of them is those that, that shed innocent blood there, there's a, and god hates a haughty look a proud haughty look amen and, and, you know, there's things that God hates. But that doesn't mean that God is full of hate. You can be full of love and still hate things. Amen. I can be full of the love of God and hate abortion. Because there's no way that I can I not hate the ripping apart of an innocent child in a womb. Amen. Okay? So... He said that upon this rock I'll build my church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, we have wasted a lot of years in this country preaching judgment. Amen. I, I might be messing with you a little bit today. You might, you might be saying tilt because... You know, you just don't, you, you haven't heard this stuff. I don't know. But I, I want to tell you something. We have wasted years preaching judgment on America. How many messages across this land have been preached about God judging America? How many visions have been, have been given about God judging America? How many dreams have we heard about about God judging America? How, long, how many, how many, prophetic conferences have been packed out because as teaching on the book of revelations and how the antichrist is going to take over now all that is true but also what is true as it's not his will that any should perish but that all should come to repentance it's also true that in the last days I will pour out of my spirit, says the Lord, upon your sons and your daughters, and they'll prophesy. It's a, that's also true. And we got to decide what we want. Amen. Our children don't have to be lost to this world if we just make up our mind what we want and stop blaming the world for our inabilities and our laziness. Amen. In the 1960s, for the first time in the history of America, church attendance began to drop. And all the major denominations got together by the year 1965. All the major leaders of the major denominations got together to try to determine why is our attendance dropping. I got to tell you something. Why their attendance was dropping was because they was gathering on the shores of the ocean out in California, finding a new Jesus that really saved them. Okay, that just kind of come out. <laughs> the birth of the Jesus movement was, was a black spot on the religious church because they did not sanction it and the people didn't look, smell, or act like they wanted them to look, smell, or act. When 
1965, all the major denominational leaders got together to determine why is our attendance dropping and the conclusion of a week-long time of meeting together was it's the world's fault. Their, their, their statement was it's the signs of the time and there's nothing we can do about it. Pathetic. Pathetic. When Jesus said, if you'll tell me what you want, it'll happen. You just got to decide what you want. I decided several years ago that I no longer wanted to preach judgment on America. I wanted to preach revival on America. I want to see this nation saved. I want to see people's lives changed. I want to see the glory of God visited upon our children. I don't want to blame the world. I want to see the world changed by the power of the gospel. And we got this weak, little, anemic, adopted mentality that somehow we are not wanted and we are forsaken we're orphans and God's going to save us at the end I got to tell you something God is here he's here right now he's working right now he's glory his glory is here right now he wants to save this nation I'm trying to sort out exactly what I want to say because <laughs> there's a lot of things that I don't want coming out I, I want this to be Holy Spirit okay I told Sister Joy, I said, I'm trying to discipline my mind this morning. Amen. And uh, I might as well just put these away. Um, when he said in 1 John, was talking about, uh, John was talking about the, the Antichrist, and he was talking about the Antichrist spirit. But by the time he got to 1 John, um, he said, what chapter is it? 1 John uh, let me look at it. He said, you are of God, little children. Everybody say, I'm of God. I am of God. Hallelujah. You are of God, little children. Let me find it. Some of y'all can tell me it's uh, four and four. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Who is he talking about? The Antichrist. And have overcome them. Because he is in you is greater than he is in the world. Why are we going to sit around and talk about how powerful and how bad the Antichrist in the world is when Jesus is in us and he is greater, greater, greater than Antichrist. Amen. 
One of, the, one of the sad things about what we're doing right now is we have come down to, a, to fighting over a political atmosphere when the church shouldn't have to do that. We should be influencing the nation. We should be influencing the world. And we are coming back. I got to tell you something. I am so excited about what I'm seeing because the church is rising again. The ecclesia is stepping forward. People are getting rid of their denominational barriers and they're starting to join together because there is one cause, there is one purpose, and that is to see God glorified and to see the people unified and to see the power of God demonstrated. And we're beginning to see that. Sean Foyt, who would ever thought that Sean Foyt would, would suddenly be shaking the, the nation? I didn't even know who Sean Voigt was until recently. Isn't it amazing how God has people hid and then all of a sudden he introduces a gift that we didn't even know we had. And next thing you know, there's revival taking place where riots were just burning. The smoke of the riots are still, is still climbing, but yet God has sent his presence to the very place. I just got to tell you something. The riots were the greatest gift we ever got. You know why? Because once they sanctioned those riots, they couldn't stop us. Amen. All of a sudden, we start having protests against injustice and preaching Jesus. They couldn't say nothing about it because they just sanctioned the protest, you know, and said it's okay. Amen. One guy, one guy out in California, Governor Newsom, has, has passed so many rules. Now he's passing rules about Thanksgiving. You can only have so many people at your house, you know. I think like six people or something like that for Thanksgiving. And if, if, you, have, if you have more kids than that, some of the kids have to stay home. They can't come to your house for Thanksgiving because only so many are allowed. And one, one guy said that, that you can only have six at your house Thanksgiving, but you can have 30 attend a funeral. So he said, I am declaring a funeral for my pet turkey, and I'm going to invite everybody, and we're going to have a funeral for the pet turkey, and lunch will be provided. Come on, somebody. You can't keep people down. <laughs> Especially in America, we will find a loophole somewhere. Amen. We are, we, are, we are having a, a renewal, a revival. There is a revival taking place in this nation. I am not going to preach a going down. I'm not going to preach a falling away because several years ago I had an encounter with God and God came into my home and he showed me his glory in the last days. He showed me the revival that was going to cover this earth and take place all over this world. And that message has not been popular, but I'm still preaching it 30-some years later that there is a great outpouring of the Spirit of God that is coming upon this world, and all of those that rise against it will fall, and they'll know that there is a God in heaven. Our young men and our young daughters will prophesy. The other night, my nine-year-old grandson was supposed to go to a, a Halloween party with some of his friends. He had been invited and it, before time to go, all of a sudden he come to his mom and he said, Mom, Holy Spirit's telling me not to go to this party. And she said, 
Oh, he said, I can't go to this party. And she said, why? And he said, Holy Spirit's telling me not to go. And she said, well, you need to listen to that. Nine years old, already hearing the voice of God telling him, warning him what to do and not to do. He said, Mom, I've had this feeling before, and I didn't listen to it, and bad things happened. Nine years old, already understanding that there is a voice from heaven that is trying to tell us and guide us and trying to help our lives. And if we just open our eyes, open our ears, there's a God that loves us and he's talking and he's speaking and he's pouring out his his spirit on this land. And I declare to you today that there will be an awakening that has taken place in this nation and we're going to see God's glory. (laughs) Amen. In Nehemiah chapter 4, Holy Spirit just brought this to me during worship. He said, but it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? <laughs> Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, Whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. And that's what the enemy was saying. That's what the mockers were saying. That's what the opposers of God were saying. But all of a sudden, the people of God begin to say, Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to the land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity. And do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. As I was standing over worshiping, God brought this back to my mind, and he said, this is what I desire in my people. I desire people that will come together and have a mind to work. We could have just as easily in that said and the people had a mind to pray. I have seen more prayer in this country in the last year than I've ever seen before. I've seen more unity of the Spirit of God in prayer than I've ever seen before. I've seen more vision in this nation than I've ever seen before. There is a outpouring of the Spirit that has already begun. And one of the worst things we can do is after Tuesday, if we think we got our will and our way, one of the worst things we could do is back up and say, well, that's finished. 
No, we haven't even started yet. They, we, we haven't even started yet. We've just, we're, we're just now seeing the trickle of the presence of God. Imagine what can happen when the floodgates open and the glory of God begins to come into this nation in a way that those that hate it won't know what to say. Kamala Harris said that preachers are nothing but dumb knuckle-draggers. In other words, apes. I got I to gotta, I gotta tell her something. These dumb knuckle-draggers, we are talking to somebody that is extremely intelligent and extremely powerful, and he is so much greater than we are, that, and, and he kind of likes us. And we, we have went before God in this last year, and we've said, hey, Daddy, there's some people picking on us. There's some bullies down here. And God started getting up and saying, I don't think I'm going to let that happen. It is extremely important for the church in America to revive and have revival because we inspire and feed the nations in the move of God. Amen. They look to America. I, I go to these I go to these countries and I preach the gospel to them. I shared with, with Brother Mike yesterday. I, there's times that I go in and preach the gospel and teach to people that I feel like I have no right to do so because they are so much greater in the Word of God and in the demonstration of God than I am. I look at their lives and say, God, I don't know if I could even live their life. And yet they want so much for us to come and tell them that God's still God. He's still on the throne, and he still loves them. That's all they want. They just want to know that they're not alone, that there's somebody with them. Amen. <laughs> they want to know that God hasn't given up on them in their trials and persecution. And it's up to America to continue to go out and say God is still on the throne. He is still God. Just like Nehemiah refused to give up, refused to cower, refused to listen to the people that were criticizing and the people had a mind to work, and they accomplished the task, even though they had to, had to appoint guards and they had to keep working. I got to tell you something. There are, there are evangelists being raised up in this nation that are going to begin to hit the streets of this country in power and demonstration of the Spirit, and there's a bunch of guards that are going to be standing behind them with the sword of the Spirit and the shield of God and the faith of God backing them up in prayer and in strength and, and coming together. There is a move of the Spirit of God that has been initiated, and we have got to come in unity with that. 
said, I don't know how it can happen. Nobody ever does. I don't know how we can do this. We never do. But God, God is putting his blueprints in the hands of the builders. And he has given his, his strategies into the hearts of the kings. And we are seeing a move of the Spirit of God, and, and we are seeing initiative. And I got to tell you something. I think I know what's going to happen Tuesday, but I got to tell you something. I do not hinge on that. What I hinge on is the God that sits on the throne is greater, greater. Good night. I feel a force trying to move through me that I can't stand. There's no way I could stand it. There is an amazing outpouring, an impartation that's coming upon the body of Christ. We're changing. We're changing. The church, the body of Christ, the ecclesia, whatever you want to call it, is changing. It is changing. We are changing. <laughs> I can get up here and complain about it. I'm not going to complain about it because I know that we're changing. I know, I know that I know that I know that some of us haughty pastors, God is getting ready to take our nose and shove it in the floor and not let us up until we have been filled with the power and unction of God. Are you listening to me today? There's a lot of people going to be taking off their high horses uh, and God's going to sit on them until they get up with the glory of God burning in their very being and saying, I know my God lives. Our worship sets are going to be set on fire. It's no longer going to be about how many songs we sing or how long worship goes. It's going to be, can we have some more of the glory of God? Can we feel the fire of God today? There are going to be times I was sharing with Brother Mike, oh, Jesus. Whoa. I was sharing Brother Mike the other day, this week, God has been speaking in my heart about the impression of the presence of God, the impact of the wind and light of God. We've talked about it. We've preached about it. We've prayed about it. we felt goosebumps. But I got to tell you something, we're about to feel the tangible push of the wind of God in such a way that we're not going to be able to say, well, that was a good service. We're going to be changed in the very presence of God. The light and illumination of God is going to be so strong that it'll be manifest and people will see fire sitting upon the body of Christ and they'll think they're burning, but it's just 
the concentrated photonic energy of the glory of God emerging from people who have con consolidated in his presence. All we have to do is come in agreement and say, yes, 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 Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, we say yes. I heard something that stirred my heart today, this week. And when I heard it said, it burst inside of me. And I felt like I couldn't even breathe. When this young preacher in college went to see some of the places where revival taking place and they were taken to a house where John Wesley lived. You probably heard this. And beside the bed of John Wesley, you can still see the imprints of his knees where he prayed. He prayed so much that the carpet was literally wore out and imprinted. And this, the Bible school students was there and they got ready to go when one of them was missing. And the guy in charge went back looking for him. And he found this young man beside that bed with his knees in the prints of John Wesley. And he was crying out, God, do it again. Do it again. And the leader said, Billy Graham, we got to go. And Billy Graham became a person that impacted not only this nation, but the world. Why? Because his desire was for God to do it again. And when I heard that, the presence and power of God welled up inside of me that I couldn't even speak. And all I could think was, God, do it again. Do it again. I feel the presence of God in such a strong way today that I'm having a hard time speaking. I have no doom and gloom warnings today, I have, but all I have is that God is amazing. Our Father is amazing. His glory is beyond our imagination. And if we'll just come in agreement with him, we will, we will see things that we've never dreamed we could see before. There will be demonstrations of God like we've never seen before. <laughs> Who would have believed that on the very streets where protests and murder and burning and anger had taken place and all of a sudden a young long-haired guy would step forward with a guitar and begin to sing and people start getting saved in the very place where that took place and they had to and begin to baptize people and people begin to get healed and filled in that very spot i gotta tell you something we're living in the greatest days of the church Come on, stand, stand up. Well, I'm sitting, but let's stand. I've, I have just simply delivered the heart of God to you today.